Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901. That'll get you right straight to us. That's right, and you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. We'd yeah. really like to hear from you. We certainly would. And of course, you're in Baton Rouge area. We'd love to hear from you as well. Exactly. Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction, maybe give you some free advice, kind of help you from making a mistake. There you go. <laughs> Should you maybe happen not to want to be on the radio or you think of something after the show goes off the air today, you can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night, any time of the week, actually. That's right. Just go to our website. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours. That's right. That just couldn't be easy. You just click on that little contact button. It'll bring up a little form that you can fill out. And it's actually very, very simple questions. You know, of course, your name, because uh, I need to know who I'm talking to. Correct. <laughs> so, so I can say hi, such and such, when I answer back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason we need that. And if you don't want to give me your name, just make one up. There I'm, you not, go. I'm not going to ever know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I need a return address so I can send it back. And we need to know what kind of car it is because the advice that I give is going to be based on the type of car. Sure, because what works on one doesn't work on another. Well, absolutely. If you tell me you have a bump, bump, bump noise when you hit obstruction in the road and you're driving a Chevrolet pickup truck, it's going to be one set of things I'm going to tell you to check on. If you tell me you're driving a Toyota Camry, it's going to be a totally different because one's a short, long-arm front end, and the other's a McPherson strut front end. Correct. They so, each have a different setup, different way to go about diagnosing it. That's right. So that's the reason we need to know what kind of vehicle you've got. And, of course, it will actually have a number of miles because a lot of things, if it's got 20,000 miles, I'll probably tell you to check certain things. If it's got 120,000 miles, I'm going to tell you to check some other things. And if it's got 420,000 miles, I'll probably tell you to check some other things. So <laughs> these are the reasons why we need this information in order to get a more accurate answer. So go ahead and fill that form out. And the good thing is, once you fill it out, when you go to send it, it'll ask you, would you like to remember this information? And if you say yes, then it'll stick a little cookie on your machine that remembers that information for you. Right. So next time you go to the contact button, all that will already be filled out. Right. And all you'll have to do is change your complaint or your symptom. That's right. Just change the symptom and hit the button, send it to me. You don't have to put your name and all that stuff back in again. It's already in there. That's great. Really couldn't be a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I came over and did it for you. That's there you go. Happen, so. <laughs> Of course, once I get it, I will get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Most time, a whole lot quicker. Just, just depending on what time of day you send your question. And well, that's right. Next weekend, we'll be out of town for Easter, and it may be a little bit longer because I'm not going to stop and check right. my computer every 10 minutes while I'm on vacation. But I do check it at least once or twice a day. So always get your answer back to you. While you're on there, take a look around. Look at the detailed topics. Put one on this morning, which is the second part of the one from last week Correct. on transmission failures. And what this does is gives you some additional symptoms, some things you can watch for. Many times a very subtle thing, very subtle change with the automatic transmission can signal a pending failure. And if you catch it early enough, you can generally head that off and at very least contain your cost. So sure, I remember a vehicle came in for something that wasn't transmission related. Mm -hmm. And when I went on the test drive, I noticed that it had a different shift point than everything else I've driven with that trans. And come to find out, it had a broken spring in it. We actually took the trans out, took it apart, changed the springs, put it back in, and it saved for a, a total rebuild. Well, that's right. Not only a total rebuild, but having to have the car towed in, a very inconvenient breakdown when you wasn't 
expecting it. it. Luckily, right. this one was already in the shop, and the gentleman was already ready to leave it for a day or so, so it didn't. It actually worked out pretty good. worked out well. It didn't unnecessarily delay his plans. So, right. Yeah, a lot of times if you watch these little subtle symptoms, you can head off a big, big problem. So something to look for. I'll read that. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you really like it. And we got David online. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning, guys. First of all, I want to tell a quick story. Okay. I had a salesman in visiting my work, and he was complaining. He said his wife car, wife's car had broken down, and he was worried about what was going on. I said, well, just go on the ADCO website and ask your question. Mm-hmm. He'll probably get back with you in a few hours, and about a half an hour later, you'd already answered his question. He was just all excited. Oh, well, that's good. great. Good deal. He probably wasn't going to have a four or $5,000 bill, but hopefully a lot <laughs> smaller, so he was he had a happy trip back home. Well, good deal. I have a 2005 Tahoe. Okay. And I've got a couple of my dashboard lights out. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, on my older vehicles, it was pretty much a couple of screws and everything came out. Is, this, is it pretty much the same It depends, way, David, on which bulbs is out. Some of those can be replaced. They Most of them are kind of solder in. They're a little LED kind of bulb. They actually solder in. But some of them can be replaced. Some of them cannot. Okay. It just depends. The ones in the radio cannot be addressed. You'd have to replace the radio, the ones behind the dial and all that. Some of the ones, like in the air conditioner control head, can be. Some of the ones in the dash instrument cluster behind, like the gauges and all, can be. And some of the ones, like in the steering wheel, you have to replace the whole little switch, but it's not that expensive. Right. I have a couple out in the de- in the wheel, but my instrument cluster has two lights out. Those yeah. can generally be replaced, yes, sir. We have to pull the instrument cluster out. They are soldered into the motherboard, but okay. I think there's 11 bulbs total, and we normally replace all 11 of them if we're going to go okay. in because the labor's the same. Are all the gauges working for you, David? You hadn't lost Yeah, they're them? working. The, the gauges are working fine. but uh, a lot of trouble with that as well. The, the speedometers really? would go out. Right. The, yeah, they're actually under a recall for that, up to 70,000 miles. They extended the warranty on it because they had so much trouble with it. If you want, they can also replace the little stepper motors and prevent that from happening, or you can just wait and see if it happens. Uh, while you're in there, it's not that much extra. Go ahead and do the whole deal while you're in there. Oh, okay. I appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, sir. Hey, all thanks right. for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would certainly love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? You know, GM had that problem throughout that year period. Was it 02? I think it's from 2003. It's either 3 or 4 up, up to, to about a, 7. Right. And they had defective stepper motors in the little instruments. Most of the time, what I've noticed is that the speedometer goes out first simply because it moves the most. Correct. But not always. Sometimes the speedometer will continue to work, and maybe the all gauge will go out, or maybe the temperature gauge or the tachometer. Right. One of the other gauges will drop out. And, and then, then another, and then right. another. And sooner or later, all of them a lot of times quit working. And you can go in sometimes and replace the little stepper motors. Now, unfortunately, that's not a silver bullet. I have had folks bring them in, and all the gauges weren't working, and you could not repair it because the motherboard itself had gone out. Correct. So if, as long as it's the stepper motors, yes, they can be repaired, but it's not a blank check. It doesn't work every time. Right. It's the same thing as going in and changing the light bulbs. You have to unsolder the little stepper motors from the board, mm-hmm. solder the new ones in, and say while we're there, we'll go ahead and change all the bulbs also because if one's out, they all got the same amount of life on them. The rest of them are fixing to drop out. So That's correct. Just head off a little extra labor. Yeah, you're already there, and it's maybe a few moments longer to go ahead and do that while you're in price of the little stepper motors, but they're not that expensive. And you might as well just go ahead and do the whole deal right. because sooner or later you're going to have to contend with it anyway if you end up keeping the vehicle. Let's go back to the phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lewis. Nice to talk to you again. It's been a couple of years. Okay. 
I had tires put on my 2010 Dodge Challenger the other day. Okay. And they brought me into the work area and showed me the the front right strut was leaking a little bit of fluid. Okay. Just a little bit. Steve, let me ask you this. Now, when you say a little bit, do you mean it was like wet around the shaft at well, the top? you know, I hated to admit to the guys that I don't have very good eyesight. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So when they were pointing it out to me, the guy just said, it's not serious right now. That is correct. But it's going to get serious. Well, Steve, I'll tell you what Chrysler says, and all of them say, is that if it's a little bit of oil around the shaft where the shaft comes out of the housing, that is not a problem. All right. A lot of the newer struts will actually leak a little bit there. As long as the whole strut is not wet or it's not dripping on the ground, Right. that's a problem. But okay. that little bit of moisture or wetness around the top of the strut, some folks will use that as an excuse to try to sell struts. But sounds like you got an honest guy there. He told you the truth. That is not a problem. And be honest with you, I have seen those go for years and years and never get any worse. Okay. So, yeah, if that's all it is, just keep an eye on it. Generally, right. when you get the tires rotated, have them look at it. And if right. it starts to run down the strut, cover the entire strut, or start to drip on the ground, well, now it's a problem. Sure. Now, my question about that was, when I was thinking about it after I left his store, mm-hmm. would you recommend, if it did require replacement, to to change both of them up front? Yes, sir. You always change struts and shocks and tires. All right. Because if you don't, you're going to get an imbalance. Even if it's low mileage, let's say you got 25,000 miles, but you got 25,000 on one and zero on the other, so they're not going to jounce exactly the same. So you start right. to get a rocking, unstable feeling. You might as well change them. Like Guy told me, with suspension, it's kind of like algebra. What you do one side of the equation, you do the other side. Okay. Well, and, that certainly answers my question. And I assume that AGCO does that kind oh, of Oh, absolutely. Yes, we sir. can do anything on it. What happens sometimes, Steve, is a little bit of grit or grime will get on that shaft. And because it's constantly plunging in and out, it can actually nick the little seal. And that will cause it to allow a certain amount of oil to come out, but the weight of the oil holds it lower in the housing than that, so okay. a little bit coming out is not a problem. All as right. long as it's not running out, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, you made me feel a lot better. All right, sir. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for calling, Steve. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would certainly love to have you. That's one of those things that at one time, I know it was real common, if there was any oil at all in the shot, folks, oh, you got you to change right. it. you got to do it right now. you got to and the manufacturers have come out and said, no, that's not true. Most shocks can leak a small amount at some time under certain conditions. If you get on an extremely bumpy road, you can actually cause a shock to leak a little bit of oil. Mm-hmm. It's just moving up and down so fast, the oil is thin, and it's going to come out around that seal. If it's just damp around the shaft, and even if it extends down maybe an inch or two on the shock, it's really not a major problem. Correct. But if it starts to run all the way down, cover the shock or strut, and start to drip on the ground, well, certainly that's an issue. Or there are other ways that shocks fail other than just leaking. Okay. For instance, if you start to get a noise, a bumping noise, then something's come apart inside the shock or strut. That bump, 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 bump. Right. And for that reason, even if it's not leaking, you do need to replace it. And certainly if you combine that with a leak, then it's more fuel to the fire. You would right. replace it sooner. What usually happens is that bushing wears out that holds the shaft into the strut housing. That's right. And can't really check it with the spring loaded on a strut right. because the spring is holding tension on it. But once you take that spring off, 
you can actually take that strut and wobble it back and forth inside the housing, and you can make the noise right there on yeah, the you bench. Can clearly, see it. Sure, once you've relieved the load on it. Another thing that would ha- or that can happen to a strut, you can get it where it's gotten real bouncy, where you hit a bump and it bounces and uh-huh. oscillates. So that's another reason you would want to change it. And obviously, if it freezes up or sticks, you get an extremely rough ride. Sure. You can't jounce the car at all. Right. When you do attempt to jounce the car, you can actually look at the tire, and the tire will actually flex down because the weight of the vehicle is pushing on the tire and not the strut anymore. That's right. And all of those are reasons to replace struts, but not just a little bit of oil around the top. we got to take a quick little break. Lane, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901. That'll get you right straight to us. And we got Lane online. Good morning, Lane. Good morning, Louis. You, you already know my problem. I took my wife's DPS in last week, and I just wanted to call and give you an attaboy because the old saying is, you always get a second opinion, and okay. that was her reasoning. <laughs> okay, okay. So we, uh, she did. She took it to the dealership, which mm-hmm. I advised against it. But okay. I want to give you a, just let the folks know out there that there was a $4,000 difference wow. between what you quoted and what they quoted me. And I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to sell it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of crazy when you got a $4,000 difference between two opinions. <laughs> I can see a $100 difference, you know. But, Lane, we see that all the time, man. I mean, we got folks come in with just huge, huge list of recommended stuff. And you go through there and it's like, wow, really? Yep, uh, yep. So I want to give you an attaboy and give you a little recognition because I really appreciate what you did for our family. And I thank you. Well, I appreciate you calling. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, Lane. Thank you. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, it's one of those things that our commercials kind of allude to it. And I've actually had a couple of shops call me and say, I really don't appreciate you running those commercials. And? <laughs> I said, well, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you see it that way. But yeah. you know, I'm not making fun of anyone in particular. I'm just making fun of a practice that I feel is wrong. Sure. And that is where they bait people in with, with a, a low price on something. And a lot of times it's an all change just because people get all changes all the time and most people like saving money or think they're saving money. Right. And they'll go in on a 29, 39, 49. Whatever it is. Whatever, 95, right. all change, and come out with a list of $4,000 worth of stuff. Sure. Recommended that, services. That they most likely don't need. Well, uh, and. Some of it may be. Some of it, you couldn't technically call them a liar, but 
it stuffs all like that shock the guy called earlier. It's got a little tiny film of all around there telling him he needs four struts. Sure. Well, that can be fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars on some cars for four struts. And it depends on what they're putting back on. Yeah, for something that is not causing a problem. Sure. Another thing we see an awful lot is rack and pinions being recommended. Oh, your rack all and pinions time. leaking. And you get it in, and technically, yes, there is a little spot of all there. But when you ask the person about it, well, no, I hadn't had to add anything. Well, let's just keep an eye on it. Sure. I mean, doesn't need to be done right now. Worst case, if it starts losing a lot of all, then we'll go ahead and repair it. But yeah, why would you want to come up with twelve, fourteen hundred dollars for a repair that is not causing you any problems? Sure. And it's not likely to get any worse. I mean, there's lots and lots of things that technically, okay, yeah, there is something wrong here. For instance, uh, I had a fellow bring a car in earlier this week. I think you looked at it. said his oil pan gasket might have been leaking. Right, right. Looked at it. It was just such a small amount of oil film around the pan. Technically, yes, it was leaking, but it just was not anything that needed to be repaired. If I remember right, that truck had 200,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. I've seen trucks with... 100,000 miles leaking worse than that one was. Well, yeah. That is just something that did not need to be addressed. No, it's not ever going to cause a problem. You can watch it, and if it gets worse, you can always go and repair it. But just a little bit of a different approach. I don't think that every single thing that's not textbook like the car was built necessarily needs to be repaired. Correct. Certainly, if it's going to get worse, it's going to cause some problems. It's going to leave you broken down somewhere. Well, yeah, that's a no-brainer. That has to be fixed. But not everything has to be fixed every time. A lot of people can't really just afford all of a sudden twelve, fifteen hundred dollar repair oh, on yeah. their vehicle. Very, very. This actually can. gives you time mm-hmm. to start collecting up money. Uh, you, you know say, it's okay, coming. Yeah, this is coming. It's going to be a repair, but it doesn't have to be done now. You maybe got a year to worry about it. So some people will also maybe they're close to making up their mind about buying another vehicle, and a large repair may put them over the edge. Sure. Say, well, okay. Well, then what I'll do, I'll drive it till I can find something else I like, and I'll just go ahead and trade this one. There you and, go. And avoid that repair. So there's all sorts of little gray areas. You don't just necessarily have to repair every single thing every time. Correct. Let's go back to the line with Stephen. Good morning, Stephen. Uh, good morning, guys. I guess I'll tell you about my truck. I really <laughs> like our show. Well, and, thank you. Uh, thank you. Help me. I have a 1999. Ford F-150 Lariat. Okay. It's a really nice truck, and I got it for a great deal, and everything works. All the electric, I mean, the windows, the whole nine yards. The engine has got like 190,000 miles okay. on it, and I don't mm-hmm. have any problems. Well, good. But this dang digital, what is that, the odometer? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Pretty I common. I truck on, and it works like 50% of the time. Yeah, right. that's pretty common, Stephen, on that vehicle. They've had a lot of trouble with that. I can tell you what I've had. Pretty good luck doing. Doesn't work every single time, but I've had pretty good luck. Is take the instrument cluster out and resolder all the joints on the back side of it. Normally, what we're finding, or a lot of times what we're finding, is a cracked solder joint. It's called a cold joint. See, the way that thing is made, they take that circuit board, they run it through a machine called a wave solder machine. And that is exactly what it sounds like. All the copper terminals are sticking up through the board, and a wave of solder washes across that board, solders all the joints at one time. Well, 99.9% of the time, it does a great job. Occasionally, one of the joints doesn't catch quite as much solder as it should or doesn't adhere as well as it should or maybe there's a little debris on it. Anyway, it works fine for 150,000 miles, and then the joint cracks. Well, now when it cracks, there's a little gap. So as long as the electricity is bridging that gap, it works. One day it doesn't. Maybe some humidity gets in it, whatever, so it quits working. Then it hits a bump, it starts working. Like I said, I've had pretty good luck pulling the instrument cluster out, resolder all the joints, put it back in, and that's a fairly minimal charge to do that. Now, if that doesn't get it, you've got to replace the instrument cluster. It could be one of the chips has gone out or so on as that. That's a relatively expensive repair, and one, you just got to weigh out how much it's worth to you to get it fixed. But to repair it 
the way we're talking about it's about an hour's labor to pull it out and probably another half hour 45 minutes to solder all the joints so you're talking under two hours labor time which is dollars an hour in our shop most shops are around at that amount so that gives you an idea of the cost and that fixes probably 50 or 60 percent of them i see so that's why whenever i hit the glass in the front it it may start working again sometimes they will you don't yes, want to hit that too hard, though. <laughs> no, you know what I did? I had this beautiful, perfect dash, and I hit it on the top and cracked the stuff yep. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I was so upset. I yep. was like, oh, my God, what did I do? So now I just tap the glass on front. And yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But I appreciate you guys letting me know that. I may not have to get a whole new cluster. I right. just have you guys repair it a little bit. A lot bit. of times we can, yes, sir. Thank you so much. Right, I Steven. appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I got to laugh. We was talking about he hit the dash and it cracked. I yeah. Had an old buddy of mine named Jim Cook and he had a little Volkswagen Beetle and he and I was riding around in it and just starting to drizzle. He turns his windshield wipers on. They come up about halfway and they stop. Okay. So Jim just reaches over with his fist and punches the windshield. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now not only do we have to repair yeah, the wipers, yeah. but now, now we need a windshield too. Not only does the wipers not work, now we have a shot at windshield. <laughs> Good move, Jim. There you go. There you go. I laugh. I thought I was going to fall out of the car. <laughs> but yeah, stuff happens, man. What oh, you yeah. Say? Yeah, that problem with those dashes, Ford's had a little issue with that. Like all the companies are having more trouble right. with instrument clusters than they used to have. And I don't know. I guess it's because of well, the... Well, they've gotten a whole lot more complicated. Yeah, a lot more digital in them. It's, the old analog dashes just hardly ever gave any trouble. I know. I had a 55 Chevrolet and every gauge on it still worked. You know, it's 60 years old. There you go. It still worked fine. But it was physical gauges with bolts and wires and oh, yeah. tightened down. You know, and now, regular old analog gauges. Yeah, now it's just a board with a bunch of little components soldered into it and of course if any one of those components goes out then right. the whole dash quits or parts of the dash quit working so like your tv at home you got a flat screen tv and when one component goes out it you takes get a big the- black spot on the <laughs> middle of the screen and new tv be got that's pretty much it <laughs> hey we're gonna take one more quick little break and be right back with more on the automotive hour Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Ooh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? We sure love to hear from you. It's a whole lot more interesting than listening to us jack our jaw back and forth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's 291-6901. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking just a little bit earlier about the shock absorbers and reasons for changing shocks uh-huh. other than just leaking. And 
clearly everybody knows a leaking shock needs to be changed. Correct. Kind of like a lot of other things that fail, like a U-joint. Certainly, when you tell people the U-joint is bad, they'll say, well, no, it doesn't have any slack in it. Well, that's only one way they go bad. Sure, they go bad several different ways. And the same thing with a shock absorber. The bushing can actually wear out in it, and then you'll get a bump-a-bump noise. Right. Particularly on a shock absorber, not so much on struts because it generally mounts in a housing with a strut. And you're talking about the end bushings right. where it actually mounts to the To the, the body chassis. or the chassis or the rear end or the front end or whatever <clears throat> that particular shock hooks to. Right. That rubber can actually deteriorate, and when it does, it'll become slack in it. So when the vehicle moves up and down, the shock tries to resist that motion, so it pulls one way and pushes the other way. And if there's any slack, you'll get a bump, 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 sort of right. muted bumping noise. We've actually uh, gone in and changed just the rubber cushions on certain applications there and are a just save the shock. Yeah, there are a few that do offer the bushings for sale separately. Most, you've got to buy a shock absorber to get the bushing and replace the bushing. Some of them, they do offer that. I'm trying to think. I think it's a Honda of some sort that will sell you just the bushing, uh-huh. which is good because some of those shock absorbers are pretty pricey. I mean, it might be 150 bucks for a shock absorber. And a lot of them last so long. Oh, yeah. Those original equipment shocks are really, really good. In fact, they're better than a lot of the aftermarket replacements that you can get. Most definitely. Some aftermarket companies do make a very good product i know kyb we've had good luck with those they are an original equipment supplier to some of the company i think they make shocks for some of the japanese companies and they, they make a lot of aftermarket parts also yeah, to fit different applications takiko is another company that makes a lot of the aftermarket and oem shocks for different folks mm-hmm. uh, you'll see like on your toyota shocks they'll have the word takiko written on there and right a japanese firm that manufactures shock absorbers for i think honda and toyota and some of the others and they also produce an aftermarket line that you can use, which is a good, high-quality part. It is. It's a very good part. So you know, if you get a hold of something like that, you're in pretty good shape. Other than that, you're almost better off to stay with OEM, OEM. line part. Right. We go back to our line with Scott. Good morning, Scott. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I got a 2000 Ford F-150. Uh-huh. It's got about 160,000 miles on okay. it. Okay. When you're cruising at about 45 miles per hour, it seems like it, trying to shift between third gear and overdrive. Yeah, yeah, it's just surging. What engine is in that, Scott? It's the V8. Yeah, 4.6. Yes, 4.6. Yeah, most of the time, Scott, I'm going to tell you, and I can't guarantee you this, but almost every time on that engine with that symptom, you got an ignition call that's going bad. Okay, well, There's, I did that once before. Well, you're going to do it eight times right? <laughs> because eight of them on there, and when one goes yeah. bad, they all go bad. One will go bad, then another one will go bad, and eventually you're going to end up changing all eight of them, I can tell you. But what it does, it's a little slight misfire, but it doesn't feel at all like a misfire. It feels like a surge. And what happens is that the engine is cruising along. It quits making as much power, so the transmission notices the lack of power and downshifts to try to get it to pick up the power. So it's going to sit there and hunt back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It may also come in and out of lockup, which feels like a gear shifted. We've seen a lot of transmissions get changed for that reason. I've seen people actually rebuild a transmission for that reason and still have the same problem and ends up being an engine misfire. Now, clearly it could be something else, but that is just very, very, very common on that. It gives the exact symptom that you're talking about. What we can do, Scott, we've got a Ford IDS, and we can hook that on. That's the Ford laptop-based scan tool. And it's not going to set a check engine light unless it gets really bad. You'll be feeling it way before you get a light. But I can go into a cylinder balance test with it, and I can actually see the the misfire counts on the cylinder. That way I can identify which cylinder is causing the problem. And that will generally be the problem. Now, if let's say it's not that and it is the actual transmission is shifting up and down, 
The most common reason for that would be what they call the throttle position sensor. It's a little sensor on the throttle, and that tells the transmission how much the engine is loading. And if that goes bad and it gives it false data, it's going to shift hunt up and down, up and down, up and down. That is almost never going to be an internal transmission problem because all the controls for the transmission are on the outside. You know, it's all electronic controls. It, the transmission just makes a shift, but it doesn't know when to shift other than what the computer tells it. Okay, good, good information. All righty. Appreciate it. Okay, Scott, thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye. Bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive aisle, we would love to have you. As you said, Brian, that has many times caused folks to rebuild a transmission, replace a transmission. I've sure. just seen that more times than not, and we usually come in on the back end because they've already changed transmission. Now they've still got the same problem, and the right. guy who changed transmission doesn't know what to do. Right. Most people will see that as a transmission problem and start calling around and find the cheapest guy. Well, How much is a trans? It's, it's, it's sort say, of a vicious cycle. It is. Because what happens, they drive the car. They feel a problem that they assume is in the transmission. Now, they have wrongly assumed that. they have. So the diagnosis is off well, right now. they've inadvertently diagnosed the problem themselves incorrectly. So Correct. now they call around everybody to find who's got the cheapest price on a rebuilt transmission. Well, I can tell you the guy with the cheapest price on a rebuilt transmission can't diagnose squat. That's why he's got the cheapest price on a transmission. Exactly. You go in and you get exactly what you asked for. You asked for a trans. And now you still got the same problem. Worse, you may have a transmission that no longer works right. Because, again, you're dealing with the lowest bidder, so you're not sure what you got an unknown there. And you got your original problem. And you still got the original problem. So that is the absolute wrong way to handle that. Instead, what you need to do is when you feel something, bring it in to a trusted, competent shop and say, hey, guys, this is what it's doing. Don't go and say how much to check transmission. Exactly. How much to rebuild a transmission. This is what my car is doing. When I'm driving 45 miles an hour, sort of like the last gentleman said, I have 45 when I go to accelerate, it downshifts. When I let off, it upshifts. Uh-huh. It feels like it's going back and forth between gears. Now, if you tell them that and you show them what it's doing, they're going to find the problem. Sure. Because you hadn't told them, well, you know, rebuild my transmission or how much is this. Like, that's the way you go about getting that problem solved. Right. You really need to find a shop that you're comfortable with mm-hmm. and try to use them for everything. Well, allow them to diagnose the problem for you because when you go in and tell them what's wrong and you guess wrong, which most of the time you will because cars today are not anything like we remember them being, and what feels like this is nothing to do with that. It's four things over causing a symptom with that. So you can really, really go far wrong and waste a whole, whole bunch of money and still not get your problem solved. Exactly. Hey, we're going back to the phone lines. Gene, good morning, Gene. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. Hey, I got a Chevrolet. We got a truck, and uh, I changed my transmission fluid at 50,000 miles. Okay. And I haven't done it, and it's 115. Do I need to change it or yes, let sir. it be? No, oh, yeah. I would definitely go ahead and change it again. Gene, you're not too far gone that you should have a problem just yet, but I like to change that every 50,000. I mean, you're at 65 now, but, I mean, what the heck, it's still close. Okay, and question number two. I was going down the road, and I was pulling a trailer up my truck, and I accelerated, and the motor went to shut down. Why did it do that? Explain to me what you mean when it went to shut down. What did it do? The actual, it's an 09, and it, the screen said shut down, engine shut down. Okay, yeah, that's fairly common on that. And then after that, it wouldn't go over about 20 miles an hour until you turned it off and turned it back on? Correct. Yeah, that went to a fail-safe mode. What happens, Gene, is that there's four sensors, two in the accelerator pedal, two in the throttle body, and they all have to agree with each other. And that vehicle does not have a link between the accelerator and the throttle body at all. Nothing. Except electrical. Yeah, it's just electrical. It's drive-by wire. 
When you're mashing the accelerator pedal, you're working two sensors. Those sensors send a message to the accelerator pedal module, which sends a message to the PCM, which sends a command to the throttle body, and is a motor that opens the throttle. Now, it has a feedback, which is a double circuit. It's 4X safety related. So it's going to have to, all four sensors have to not only agree, but they have to correlate. If for any reason one of those sensors does not correlate with the other three, then it's going to shut the throttle down. And that's what it happens. It's going to throw the message up. It's going to lock the throttle out. That's to keep the vehicle from running away with you. Right. So you got a problem in that system. Now, you just have to have mm-hmm. someone diagnose it and find out what it is. It could be the pedal sensor. It could be the module. It could be the throttle body. It could be something else in the system that is attached to that system could be that's something failing. Totally different. It could be right. a battery cable loose. I mean, it could be all kinds of stuff. So you need to get to someone who knows what they do and let them diagnose that for you. I think we lost him. him. I hope we got a complete answer there. Hey, we're going to take one more quick little break, and we're right back with more in Automotive Hour. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Oh. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right. Saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of us, we can answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States well, this morning. Well, that's right. If you happen to be out of state, we'd really love hearing from you. Of course, if you're in the Baton Rouge area, we'd love hearing from you sure. as well. Go ahead and give us a call. It's a whole lot more interesting than just listening to me and Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Makes my job just a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah. I could ask the questions all day. (laughs) (laughs) But give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We were talking to the last gentleman about that throttle shutting down, and Uh that's a very common problem on almost all cars. I know Ford had a tremendous amount of trouble with that earlier on, and now GM's having a good deal of trouble with it as well. But that's where you're driving along, and all of a sudden, the throttle no longer responds to you, and it may or may not give you a warning message. It may just kick a check engine light on, and you can accelerate all you want, and the car just doesn't go. Sure. And what it's done is because there is a disagreement between the accelerator pedal and the throttle body, it's going to, by default, shut everything down. And so you don't get a runaway. That's right. That's, I think that's their, that was their whole thing behind it, was to keep them from running away. I think it is. It, if theoretically if it didn't agree then it could think that you were mashing it more than you were so by default what it does is shuts it down right and when you turn it off and turn it back on it clears resets so it may start running again well, sometimes that, that works yeah if it's a hard code a real serious problem that's actually something's gone completely out it's not going to reset but most time it will so but that gives people a false sense of security oh well it's okay now no, exactly it's just going to happen again at a very inopportune moment so, <laughs> right once it happens, uh, there'll be a code stored in memory, and the shop should be able to find it, even though it's not occurring at the time you bring it in. So, 
Let's go back to our phone lines with Willie. Good morning, Willie. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Let's have a question concerning that 07 F-150 4.6 engine okay, in it. Okay, sir. I have an engine light on, and I understand that there can be any number of things that will cause that light to come on. Up to 2,000 different things, Willie. I'm serious, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. What's the most likely thing that would cause it? Do you have well, any- there's nothing. There's any one of the 2,000 can cause it. I mean, it could be an oxygen sensor, it could be an airflow meter, it could be the engine's too cold. It could, could be, be a system voltage be, low, it could right. be transmissions going out. I mean, it's checking 2,000 things, and anyone can make the light come on. So yeah. what you need to do is bring it to someone who knows what they're doing, not some part store with a code reader. Go to a man who knows what he's doing. Let him read the code. Once he reads the code, that will tell him where to start looking. Then he'll do a number of tests to isolate the actual problem. Once they repair whatever's causing the light to come on, it'll go off. Now, you got to remember, with 2,000 things that can make it come on, it can come on again three months from now. It doesn't mean he did a bad job. It's just something else has happened because there's only one light. Right. So what's real important when you get it repaired, Willie, is to get a copy of what codes were treated when he repaired it. For instance, let's say you check it and it's got a code PO420. That means catalytic converter is reading below efficiency. Well, that doesn't mean the converter's bad. That could be a bad upstream oxygen sensor. It could be a converter. It could be a wire loose. It could be all kinds of things. It could be a vacuum leak. But you want to know that code PO420 is what he was trying to treat. So if he writes that down, you got it. Now, let's say two months later, the light pops back on, and it's got a PO131. Well, it's clearly another problem. But let's say it comes back PO420 again. Well, now something is still occurring in that same area. So that's a lot of shops don't write that information down. Just be sure wherever you get it fixed that that information is on the invoice. Okay. What code they repaired. When it first started coming on, it was intermittent. It didn't come on and stay on. It would come on yeah, and that go doesn't out. Matter. Right. That doesn't matter. See, it, it, what it does, Willie, it's the computer has to run 2,000 tests. Well, it can't execute every test on every drive cycle. So it may yeah. only run some tests during a certain drive cycle. Well, let's say fault occurs. It flags the light. You turn the key off. You turn it back on. It's a new world. Okay, on the next drive cycle, it doesn't run that test because it just doesn't get to it. Well, after a couple of times, it'll turn the light back off. Problem's still there. It's just not occurring while it's testing. But it is stored now, in the memory. Right. Next time that fault occurs, bam, light comes back. So it might cycle on and off. doesn't mean it's fixed. It just means it's not testing for that. So you've got to get that fixed because anything that makes that light come on will get a whole lot worse if you let it go. Okay. I got All right. Appreciate uh, your time. Okay, Willie, thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive iron. we got Alan on the line. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a 2007 Chevrolet Silverado V8. Okay. Got the iridium plugs in it. What's the lifespan of an iridium plug? About 100,000 miles, and I like to change mine, Alan, a little bit before that. I generally like to change those around 90. Reason being, what happens on a spark plug is that it starts to wear the gap starts to erode so it takes more voltage to jump that gap now what's going to happen it's not like the old days you're not going to start getting a stumbling idle you're not going to get bad gas mileage it's going to run exactly the same reason being the computer just increases the duty cycle on the call packs so it can jump i mean if it wears completely out it'll keep increasing duty cycle and it'll keep jumping that gap so it will not ever run any different but this is the kicker when you get the duty cycle up to around 40%, 50%, you start burning up the coils. Now, right. a spark plug, even an iridium plug, is about 8 bucks. A coil is about $120, and right. it's 8 of each. Right. <laughs> See where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah, it's expensive in a hurry. That's right. That's right. That's why they have a recommended interval. And where people really 
pretend to make a mistake and say, well, it's running fine, so I'll leave it alone. No, no, no. It's going to run fine. It's not. This is not the 1970s. It's not going to drop off in mileage. It's not going to idle rough. You're going to notice it when your coal burns up and it quits firing That's that right. cylinder. Check money light comes on. You come to me and I'm telling you, you owe $600 to fix it. That's when you're going to notice it. But if you want to replace those yourself, Alan, they're fairly easy. What I would recommend to you is to replace the wires also if you got close to 100000 Generally, those wires are going to be almost glued to those plugs, and when you try to get them off, you're going to pull on them, and it's going to rupture the wire internally. And what will happen is a month later, you can start getting a misfire. You don't right. know where it's coming from. So right. replace the plugs and the wires. It takes about an hour to do all of them. Yeah, that truck's not real hard to change the plugs on, except the last one on the passenger side. Yeah. You can actually use the same extension and everything on all of them except for that one. Yeah, it's a little it, It's right. tough because the air conditioning box comes out right there, and you got to use a real short socket. Uh, not a socket, but a short extension and a regular spark plug socket. It can be done from the top. They can all be done from the top. And, of course, we can change them for you. It's a very minimal charge to change them because it doesn't take much time. Now, I also like to use the AC Delco Iridium exact plug back in there. I don't like to use any of the aftermarket plugs in it. They just don't run the same. Same thing with okay. the wires. Right. And one last little or two last little tricks, Alan. There are two sets of plug wires that go on that truck. One is a 748HH. The other is 748GG, and they're about an inch difference in length. So you either have to get the number off the call, or you have to go to the dealer and give them the VIN number, or you have to bring the old wires with you and measure them to make sure you get the right ones. Because if you put the wrong ones on there, they'll either rub on something or they'll be stretched too tight. Oh, okay. Uh, last thing is, if you do it do yourself, let that engine get completely cold to the touch where you can lay your hand on the exhaust manifold before you start working on right. it. Right. Because if you take – it's aluminum heads, and if you take that plug out and it's still warm – that hole is expanded. You screw that nice, cool plug down in there. When that plug spans back out, next time it comes out, the threads are coming with it. We actually got one in the shop now that the fault plug is actually stripped out in the head. That's right. So you want to make sure that head is completely cold, and you want to torque it in there with a torque wrench. Okay. All righty. All right. Okay, Alan, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 291-6901. We've still got several minutes left. We can get your questions answered. Boy, you just give away all the little tricks, didn't you? Oh, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> just let them know the whole deal. Man. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm one of those people I just don't believe in, in hiding stuff. I always felt if you explain to people all there is to it, most of them are going to say, yeah, that's just too much work. Exactly. I'd rather pay you to do it. Exactly. <laughs> they realize how much it is. It's one of those things where a little knowledge is a real dangerous thing. That's it. If you think you know and you don't, then you're going to go in and do it wrong. Well, that's what causes problems for everybody. Sure. If you know how to do it, then that's great. If you want to do it, if you want to get all the information, do it right. Well, by, all means, by all do means, it. do it. If you're capable of doing it and you don't mind doing it, yeah, sure. But what I don't want to see is people going and strip out three of those spark plugs. Right. Cause a problem later on. It's something that could have been avoided. Thousands of dollars in repair for trying to save labor to get a set of plugs changed just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And that happens a lot of times. People have sort of an unnatural fear of going to automotive shops. And I guess shops have brought that on themselves for a wide measure. But a lot of times, you have to remember, there are shops out there that are totally competent. They are totally honest. They are going to do you a good job for a reasonable price. You just got to find that guy. Right. And the time to find that guy is before you need him. Oh, absolutely. And kind of like John Kennedy said, the time to find the roofer is not when it's raining. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you want to have a roofer before it starts raining and your roof starts leaking. But when you do find those folks, you're not going to find them by calling around and asking, how much is it to do this, how no, much you do not. that? Because most... True craftsmen are not going to quote you a price on the phone because they don't know what's involved. They're going to want to see the car. They're going to want to know what's wrong with it. 
they don't like when someone diagnoses their own problem wrong and then calls up getting prices, and they know where this is going. Sure. It's sort of like when you call me, I've got 45 years' experience doing this, and I already know where this is going. Just when, in the first five words out of your mouth, I already know where, this, how, where it's going to end up. <laughs> That's I, right. You can stop it right then and yeah, say, look, we stop what, right are you, now. what are we trying to fix? Yeah, tell me what kind of problem you're trying to solve. I had a gentleman come in a little earlier this week, and he said, I want to tune up on my car. So, okay, well, that's great. Why do you want to tune up? Why do you want to tune up on it? Okay, no, no. Tell me what's it doing. What's it doing now that you don't want it to do, or what's it not doing you do want it to do? Correct. Well, it's idling rough. Okay, well, do you want me to fix the rough idle, or do you want me to tune it up? Well, I want it tuned up. Okay, well, do you want to fix the rough idle also? Well, then, it gonna, no, it's not going to no. fix it. It is not going to fix it. And what he had was he had actually two different situations. Now, the car did need a tune-up. That was not, needed not in question. Wire. It needed that. Right. But that was not going to fix his rough idle. His rough idle was a combination of a set of bad motor mounts. The uh, engine was actually touching the body of the car. Uh-huh. So any roughness, you really, really felt it. But more important, his battery was weak. Okay. So what happened is that the battery, when you started cranking, would go down to about 11 volts. Well, 11 volts will spin the starter just fine. Sure. You couldn't hear it at all. Sure, but it confuses the dog out of the computer. It clears out the idle memory on the computer. So now it no longer knows how to idle. So it would really, really start idling rough for about 20 minutes or so until it could relearn idle function. Correct. Once it relearned, it would smooth out some. Of course, when you dropped it into gear, it would get rough again. When you put it in park, it would smooth out because the motor mounts were rocking over both ways. So what we ended up doing was changing the motor mounts, changing the battery, and doing a tune-up on it. Now it idles smooth as glass. Uh Uh-huh. And... The thing is, if you just go to the wrong shop and you say, I want a tune-up. That's what you're going to get. Well, okay, it needs it. It does need a tune-up. Right. So they do a tune-up and they give it back to you. Well, it's doing exactly the same thing. Well, now you're mad. Well, now, wait a minute. You can't be mad at them because you went in and told them to do a tune-up. Exactly. They did exactly what you told them to do. You misdiagnosed the problem. And sure. went in, and the bad thing is, if you start calling around to find the cheapest guy to do a tune-up, well, now you just made the problem a hundred times worse. Sure you did. So that's all we got for today. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to iTunes and Stitcher and give us a written rating. Yeah, we really appreciate those written ratings. It moves us up so that more people can find us and also makes our day. Makes me really happy to read them. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.